gentlemen, it is great to be back on the airwaves, on the podcast waves, if you will. We're riding the wave all through summer, man, all through July. We've made it past 4th of July now. It's the dog days and everybody's getting set, getting ready for training camp. Because guess what, folks? Training camp opens for two teams at least in literally two days from the day we're recording this and next week for everybody else. Welcome back to the Sunday card. It's starting to heat up, ladies and gentlemen. People are starting to take a look at those little sheets out in Vegas saying, oh, what do we got for MVP? What do we got for regular season win total? What what, what are we working with maybe even uh, coach of the year? We might get into that discussion today. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone, uh, handling all the editing and background and all the things we need to make this ship go. Maddie, it is good to see you again. In a couple of weeks, we've had uh, a couple of weeks off. Let us go on a little vacay. But now we're back and we're rolling back on the card. Talking a little bit of futures maybe this week. Yeah, a little bit of futures. It's, I mean, it's again, we are in the dog days, so it's about all that we have to look forward to. Uh, we really are. Uh, grinding to a halt here as it comes to the nightly sports schedule, uh, unless you are just grinding, uh, watching baseball games, or again, as Danny is about to start, just grinding training training camp videos and just watching drills and techniques, and he can't wait for it. But yeah, uh, definitely time to get a peek at those futures. In, in golf, no more majors now. I do have to mm-hmm. mention the shout out to Kyle Morcal for winning the Open, uh, two time major winner already at 24. Uh, four how you doing so um yeah we are grinding to a halt as far as big time sports come yeah morikawa the new speed i don't know we'll see could be edges out uh nba finals obviously heating up as well as that's uh we're getting set for game six tomorrow night lewis it's coming down to the wire usa basketball is imploding what is it with exhibition and they can't seem to win a game even though it's an exhibition and uh it's it's definitely a slower part of the summer um, but guess what, dude? I have already placed a couple of futures. I I have some I have mm. some over unders, and I sprinkled a little bit on uh, one specific player for MVP as well. So I'm wow. feeling pretty good. Well, we'll just have to get to those a little later on. A little later on, I'll I'll share them. I'll share them towards the end of the show. By the way, uh, one of our favorite shows. Speaking of one of our favorite shows, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks on HBO. It's always a pleasure to get to see it. And a couple of weeks ago, we finally got the announcement. It is the Dallas Cowboys. For the third time, will be on Hard Knocks. Dak coming off the injury. Uh, a brand new kind of regime defensively with Dan Quinn coming in. Uh, all the, the Micah Parsons, obviously, we're going to get to see him and his progression and how that works out. And the high expectations for Dallas. And that offense, uh, what's the most exciting thing you're looking forward to about this this uh, this upcoming season of Hard Knocks? Well, I mean, you said like the, the coaching, the, the two coaches that you said there, I mean, between Mike McCarthy and then Dan Quinn now coming in. Um, and, and then I, I do uh, I, I do want to get a little bit more uh, look from the OC as well. Um, Kellen Moore, you know, who, who's kind of been the guru behind the change in the Dallas offense with Dak and Zeke and everything. So. Uh, just in general, I always love learning about the coaches and stuff like that because the players, I feel like sometimes 
are almost forced to be a little too buttoned up with the personality. And it's almost like the coaches, since they kind of, you know, they run the show, they almost get to let it fly and hearing what they like to just like holler and practice. And some, you know, they, they choose the music sometimes they don't let, you know, they don't let the players choose the music after a bad week or a bad scrimmage loss. And they're going to make them listen to like, like Jimmy Buffett or something like that. So I love all those weird things that the coaches do. I love the intricacies like going into the locker room. I a hundred percent, but like, how Jerry has changed maybe in like the last, you know, they haven't been on in what, 10 years it's been since they've been, since they've been on, uh, since they've been on hard knocks. I'd like to see how the organization has run since they've moved to the new stadium, since they've, 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 uh, they've obviously like how they handle the DAC situation and all that. I want to see some of the diva stuff. Like I want to see like a little bit of a CD lamb, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. he might have a little, you know, one-on-one tension maybe, or like the styles of the players, but you're right. The coaches and how they interact with players, it's going to be much better uh, than having the dual one from last year with the Rams and the chargers. That was so like, kind of, I did not really like that with having two different teams. And I feel like I didn't get enough of one of the other teams. So I'm excited definitely to see Dallas and kind of the intricacies of how that building runs, you know? Yeah. And last year was, again, it was like, it was like a, how NFL teams are handling COVID. It was all like everything was Zoom too. So you didn't get all that in-person feel. Which, you know, it's supposed to be inside behind the curtain in training camp. So it's like, you know, I think we're going to get back to that this year. And one one part I didn't talk about, like, uh, I just think Ezekiel Elliott is just like a super interesting guy and all his antics and everything. So I think they might, there's going to be like a deep dive episode on Zeke Elliott for sure. Uh, he's going to be like a feature one week. So that should be pretty good. There's a lot of drama down there with everything. I mean, not necessarily Dak, but like, I feel like you're right. Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, Demarcus Lawrence, like guys like that. It's going to be, it's going to be super interesting, but I think you're right. That Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy and how they kind of roll. I really want to see that. I'm excited for hard knocks coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Preseason is coming up in a couple of weeks. NFL networks already announced what they're going to do. Um, and uh, they're like doing like what twenty? I think they have like twenty three games that they're going to um, broadcast on NFL Network, which is awesome. Um, but but when we were speaking just now of McCarthy and Quinn, it reminded me of some of the some of the things that we wanted to talk about, which was NFL Coach of the Year and first coach fired. I kind of wanted to see like what we were kind of thinking of that because we had done this previously in our way too early predictions for 2021. So I want to see how everything has changed since all those coaches have been hired and since we've gone through free agency and how we kind of feel about it. So um, we'll start with NFL coach of the year. I've got a couple of dudes in mind that I've kind of looked at, but like just to give me a sense of like, you know, where you feel like you're going. I feel like maybe based on some of the positional rankings and based on some of the predictions that we've made in the past, I might have an idea of where you want to go with this. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's again, these are really, um, I mean, our steam producer, Lewis, knows that these are very much narrative based um, mm. kind of thing. So it's all about how the story is going to play out. So when, I, when I'm looking at these, I'm almost seeing like, all right, what's the story? What's the story of the season that leads to this coach getting this role? So it's like the top guys are, are the top three are, you know, uh, Staley for the Chargers, Stefanski for Cleveland and Shanahan for San Francisco, all at plus 1300, at least for where I was looking at those odds. So um, and for me, out of all those groups, I was like, I, you know, I don't get Staley coming in, like given kind of a good team, good quarterback. I get that if they have a really good season to make the playoffs, like that he's definitely a likely candidate. Shanahan, 
if ends up starting or going with Trey Lance at some point and they really take off and go, especially with how down of a year they had last year, um, he, he's a very good pick. But out of the as far as out of the favorites, that top line, I would go with Stefanski. I just think that mm-hmm. the hype, you know, the talk on him and the talk about the Cleveland Browns is just about how good Kevin Stefanski is like at running this show. Like we, we were big proponents for him to win last year. Obviously uh, McDermott wins last year for the bills who did have a ridiculous season, a remarkable season. Go ahead. You were gonna Stefanski, Stefanski did win last year. He did. Oh, I thought it was, wait, hold on. I thought it was. No, no, I, McDermott did come in second. Stefanski, I was just going to say he, he actually did end up winning coach of the year. Um, it's easy to forget that because McDermott had a great year too, but um, I do. When you say Stefanski, like, you are now like possibly would lay like a thirteen to one ticket on Stefanski to win it again. No, so now, no, not at all. I, that seems like impossible to win two years in a row. I swear, I thought that's the reason why McDermott's odds were much higher. Uh, I guess I just misremembered that. But um, so then, yeah, maybe out of those more that I would lean Shanahan because that those were the two out of the favorites that I were leaning were Stefanski and Shanahan, and I just could see that happening with. Again, they had so many injuries last year. They lost so many players that even if they just get those guys healthy, they should have a much better year playing in a very tough division that they could show out in. Um, so that's who I like out of like the top top end guys. What are you thinking? Where are you leaning as far as those guys? And then I have a couple other long shots, which you might also bring up. I, I think so. Um, with with those guys, yeah, um, there has not been a back-to-back NFL Coach of the Year winner since 1981. So that kind of is like, yeah, I'm probably not going with Stefanski. I like the idea of Staley because I think that if he, if the, all the Chargers really have to do, like they've gotten better at like every position based on the fact that they're getting guys like off of injury. And especially a guy like Derwin James. Derwin James has just been hurt. And that has been like a really big downfall for their secondary. If he stays healthy and we finally get a full season out of him, I could see their defense being really good in that system. Now, we found out today that Melvin Ingram is not going to come back and that he's going to Pittsburgh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but they still have good players in the back end and back uh, in, in um, the pass rush to go along with Joey Bosa. I like what they did with their offensive line, man. I, I think getting Corey Lindsley was huge for them to get all pro center. Um I like Staley because he can implement his defense and have them run it. Herbert's only going to get better. So if that team stays healthy, I like that. I would lean Shanahan though, because I think that that team, that team is only two years removed from Super Bowl. They were so like, you're right. Heavily, heavily injured last year. Miss Jimmy a lot of the year. Miss Debo, miss George Kittle had Nick Bosa was out most of the year. Like those are huge, huge pieces. To me, I, I'm still in on Kyle Shanahan because I think, I think he's the most innovative of all of the uh, of the uh, coaches in that particular group. At thirteen to one, I would like him. Uh, I do have two others that are not necessarily. I mean, they're long shots, but there's not a guy here that I would go like fifty to one and say I would I, I would mm-hmm. I would do it. You know. Yeah. So all right. Bill Belichick is probably the one on this list that he should be one of these guys every year that can win it, lose eyes rolling back into his head. He's one of these guys that, you know, should be on this list. We're talking about narratives like 
in actuality, Bill Belichick is probably is is not probably is the best coach in the NFL. So he should, in theory, win coach of the year every single year. So, but because they always just had string success and it was expected, he was never up for it. But now, after what they have with the down year, they add all these pieces of defense and they're ready to be competitive again. If he's able to just have one down year and have a huge bounce back, double digit double digit win season. Definitely could be up there for coaches. I, I can't. I can't see them giving it to him because really? because just because just because it's him. Like you're right. He should win it every year. But that's kind of like like we're saying. It's a narrative driven thing. So whatever shiny and new will be way over. Uh, will kind of be like like it's like with like if the Bills have a really good year this year and they win the division, they maybe even go to the Super Bowl. Like you know. McDermott is going to win that award. Staley's going to win that award over him. If, if you know, um, I, I could think of a bunch of other teams, McVay. Like, I could think of, like, a bunch of other guys that are going to win it just because we take Belichick for granted. I think – I think, and, and the news media hates him. <laughs> so, I just mm. – I don't yeah. really see that. I'm, I'm not sure. That is the part where it's, like, who's deciding the award is probably not necessarily the best friends of Bill Belichick. So, yeah, that, that definitely does do a shot. But – just 18 to one feels real nice. Or it, yeah. It does though, doesn't yeah, it? I 18 mean, to one's real nice. It is nice. I saw somebody else though that I kind of liked um that was an older coach. Um, and I think it was him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if this would be one that would happen, but I think Andy Reid to me would be a, a, a if I was gonna go with somebody that's more of a vet, Andy Reid at 20 to 1, like I kind of saw him as like, ah, oh, that's not a bad one because the Chiefs are kind of in a position where they can kind of, you know, he doesn't have to do much to win that award. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's obviously, you know, got that pedigree and people really like him to me. Uh, this one was pretty easy. I, I'm going Frank Reich, man, Frank Reich, yeah. 16 to one. I, I know both of us are probably going to have that one in the box. Um, if, if he can do anything, if they get a playoff win, I think that he'll, that he'll, if he does exactly what Stefanski does last year, revives Carson Wentz, and is able to win a playoff game, and maybe they compete in that divisional round. Heck, if they make a freaking conference championship game, I mean, I think he's a shoo-in for that. So the fact that he's at sixteen to one, and 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 I, I think that's a really good number for Frank Reich. Yeah, I definitely. The one thing with them is like they did, you know, obviously it's like they made the playoffs last year. They almost beat the Bills in the first round. Um, you know, so it's just that's tough for me. And then in for Reed, I just think too, it's like again, just like the expectation is already there. Like, it's just like, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. And if they, he can only underwhelm at this point, it feels like, you know, they're, they're expect, I feel like they'd have to have a 20 and 0 season or, you know, a perfect season. Like, like they've talked about if they have a perfect season, which again is absolutely plausible. Um, then yeah, I could definitely see him taking it home. I, I think it would be insane if that happened, but I do like, if they go night, if they go, if they went 16 and one, like, sure. Absolutely. Like that's one of the great teams of all time. Um, did you have a third one? Cause I had a third one. That's pretty obvious. I think you're not going to be surprised by who I pick here. Well, my mine that I actually really like, again, it just feels like we're talking about where the bar is set. The bar is set astronomically low here. And that is Robert Sala for the New York jets. I mean, wow. if he comes out, they have a decent enough roster with their defense of what he can get out of them. Man. Who knows what Wilson's going to be when he has a quarterback and getting him, getting him going. But if they come out and have like, like a 500 season, you know, I mean, I can't say eight and eight anymore. If they go nine and seven, uh, nine, nine and eight, eight. 
it was a nine and seven, nine and eight, nine and eight. I could kind of see like they could just like compete for a wild card and just oh. the turnaround and, and, you know, the attention that he's going to get, especially with the co- kind of coach that he is, he is going to get all the eyeballs on him because he's just so fiery and crazy. And, you know, I could just see him getting a lot of media attention. Lois, is that possible? Well, 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 <laughs> it said bet the narrative. And that New York media loves to spin a narrative better than anybody I've ever seen. So a hot, fiery coach coming in, young team. I don't know. You tell me. I, it seems plausible. I, I, a nine and eight team that is competing for a wild card. It, if if, the if none of these the other, if why we got to be nine and eight? Why we got to be nine and eight? Huh? Give me ten and seven. Yeah. <laughs> Give me ten and seven. Uh, if, no, you can't. <laughs> if none of these other young coaches or these kind of like do anything like crazy, you know, what I mean, if they kind of don't exceed expectation, then yeah. Uh, I think I like just looking at this list, like, and, and I'm just kind of perusing it here and, and seeing what the odds are. And these odds may not be as updated. Robert Slot, like, what did you say? 20 to one, right? To, to yeah. win this. Uh, there's another guy right there that's 20 to one that has a better roster and has Robert Salah's quarterback and would have been his quarterback. And that's Matt rule. I don't, I, I know that that's so like, that's obvious for me to say, because I've loved Matt rule, but like the Panthers are in a way better position to actually be able to compete in the NFC. I feel like the AFC is loaded and the NFC is garbage. I mean, you have the West in the NFC that's going to beat up each other. And, and then Brady in the, in the NFC South, obviously, um, and I know Carolina is in that division, but man, if that team makes a wild card and they make some noise, they are more than set. Like they, they have the pieces around I, the jets are just so like young and do not have, like they, they are relying on a lot of, we just talked about, it, they didn't really spend a lot of capital on these free agents. They're just having a lot. I have a hard time seeing the jets being competitive, especially in a division that's only gotten better. Everybody else has gotten better in that division. Everybody look, else. So look, it's a long look. shot. <laughs> it's a long it's shot. A, it is a long shot. And that's the betting, point. betting the narrative. Betting the narrative. Uh, I'll take Matt Rule 20 to 1 over Bobby Salah 20 to 1. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He rules. He rules, man. I can't decide if you're more of a Colts fan or a Panthers fan. I Panthers. Can. He's a Panthers fan. Let's not. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Let's I not get confused. I, I was going back looking at last, last time's notes, and this guy put freaking rule over uh, Arians down in Tampa Bay, <laughs> yeah. and he likes yeah. the Bucks. So yeah, I, I did. Yeah. Listen, I, I've had my fun, and now I get just root for different teams. I'm gonna be a Bengals fan this year. I'm all in, baby. On like all the cats. <laughs> You're gonna have gonna a bad fun. year. I uh, what about first coach fired? Have you have you seen anything like that you like? Uh, yeah, that the Broncos head coach. <laughs> He's the one of the favorites, Vic Fangio. Come on, I mean, I could no, no I could see faith it. in Vic. If if he wants to say, what if Drew Locke is the starting quarterback coming out of camp, and he stubbornly sticks with him for like four or five weeks, and they are just dropping the ball? Elway is gonna just have his head. If I mean I know it's he's running the defense, but that's that's the other thing too. I think they might just be. I hope they are. I hope they're waiting for the opportunity to like know to move on to a 
offense focused quarterback centric head coach kind of style. Cause again, it's just like you can have, if you have a defensive head coach and then you get the offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator that as soon as everybody wants him, he's gone the next year. You have to have him as the head coach and keep him in place. So, so Pat Shermer now is going to be the head coach once Vic Fangio. No, I'm saying that they're going to move on to, yeah, they probably will do that, but <laughs> they need to move on to a young trendy offensive head coach. And speaking of that, my other pick that I actually really like, a name that I think is kind of interesting that is almost like a middling area on both of these lists that we've talked about, first coach fired and coach of the year, is Cliff Kingsbury. Really? I think that if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't get off to a good start, that he could just get the can. I think that with all the crazy moves they made, I think if they start off slow, and I just, I don't love the Cardinals here. Everybody's so high on the Cardinals. I just don't. We, you know, I think me and you, I, at least me, I know I really started to kind of turn on Cliff last year. He used to speak up on a way like, oh, he's going to find a way. And it's like, he's really looking. He's, he's like, I think 13, 18 and one since he's joined the team. And it's just like, he makes some bad decisions sometimes. And his offense is not really working. You know, it works, but is it working that well in the NFL? I don't know. No, it's Kyler Murray that everybody's excited about, not Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I, I, right. I think obviously they go hand in hand, but. Cliff Kingsbury has never won ever where he's been. The guy got fired from his alma mater and and had a losing record. I mean, like, and now he's the head coach of the Arizona. Like, that's why Arizona doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know because I feel like I'm looking at power dynamic. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like Kingsbury's a lot of a lot of power. You know, out in Arizona. So yeah, to me, I don't think I think he's got a longer rope than these three guys that I'm about to tell you. Uh, Matt Nagy, I think, is the first one that jumps out to me. I think if they suck in the beginning of the year, Bears, see you later. I mean, that is definitely one, especially with a rookie quarterback, that, that they get somebody else in there to coach him. Like, they, they need to get off to a like a start that they had last year, like where they were 5-0, and you know? Can I, can I say, I want to say something to that before you move on to your other ones. I just think that he, they have a built-in, I don't think Field starts the year. So I think Dalton starts the year that he's already got a cushion of. He can have Dalton for three, four, five, six weeks, and then he gets to put Justin Fields in, and oh. then he's given some time with him as well. So I think that he's got a little buffer system there where he's he can wait to put the rookie in. You know, that's not the full expectation yet. I understand that, but even but what happens if Dalton's like if Dalton is 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 zero and two, or like fans are screaming for him? Like fans will be screaming for Fields quickly. Like there's going to be somebody here that gets fired four or five weeks in, and and if and if it's Fields to go in there and at least they like, give him a chance to like work with it, I can understand that. Now Nagy's eight and a half to one, so it's not like amazing value. Here's one that I think definitely could happen because this franchise is so unstable and the owner just does whatever he wants. And I know that this guy has all the money in the world and all the years in the world. I, I, I would take Gruden at ten to one. Yeah, I, really I I do like that one. I just feel I, I agree. Like everyone's like, oh, he's on a ten year, co- you know, thirty year, ten year contract or whatever like that. But like the guy just has been a clown. I mean, <laughs> just nothing, just, nothing's happened out there. Like they're the worst. They're, they're the worst team in their division. Yeah, thank you, Lewis. There's the worst team in the division. Like they are right now. The way they've the way they've set everything up and. Gosh, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people saw them reaching in the draft and and they drafted like four safeties and it was just, it was so weird. And he's 10 to one right now to, to be the first coach Byron. I can absolutely see that. Um, but my favorite without question is 12 to one is, is 
if they get off to a bad start, Zach Taylor will be gone. Like, he, yeah. like it, it'll be so easily, so quick to do it because they're not going to waste Burrow's time. I mean, they're not going to do that. So I think Zach Taylor is at 12 to one. I would actually probably would take that ticket first rather than any of them. Yeah. My problem with Cincinnati is it's like, they just, I, they kept Marvin Lewis around for like 10 years after he should have been fired. It's like, obviously very much different circumstances with the borough and hopefully they're, you know, changing their, changing their stripes um, and um, going a different way. But I, I just worry about that part of it where it's like, yeah, I, I got a golf clap out of that pun. Um, just that team being so stubborn. And that's the same way I feel about how Mike McCarthy is plus 750 at the top. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like Jerry's going to be too loyal to his guy and like too, too just stubborn and committed to it. That's the thing. It's, it's a matter of who's going first. And I, I really like what you said about Gruden, like the volatility, like a, a team that is just going to like not care, just pull the ripcord on a season, like right away. Like Vegas, just nope. We're like, you know, and Mark Davis is just yep. a wild card. So I, I, I do like the reasoning behind that. Just throw, throw them into a loop. It's our first year in the stadium. Let's have some freaking drama. Let's just, let's go full Vegas, the sands, all the, all the fountains and let's fire some people and let's get crazy with it. Like, I feel like those two guys I feel the best about is Gruden and Taylor to probably be the first coach fired. Uh, did you have any other ones or are you good? No, that was really, like I said, I had uh, Fangio and Kingsbury were the only two that I really had kind of keyed. I, I am thinking, I think I'm going to be, I think I'll have a little Kingsbury and a little Gruden uh, action maybe by the time the season rolls around. Oh boy. So lots of, lots of interesting dynamic going on in, in Phoenix and in Vegas. Uh, a lot of people out West getting fired. Maybe by if, if, if it's up to us, um, let's do the AFC North because I think that this division is probably the most intriguing teams going up, teams going down, sun goes up, sun goes down, you know, on, on some careers possibly. And, you know, there's a lot of things to do with the future. We have three quarterbacks in that division. We have three quarterbacks in that division that um, are really young. And we have one quarterback that's holding on for dear life. And it doesn't seem like that team has a plan. So it's uh, at, at least at that position. Um, mm-hmm. So let's begin with the quarterback, shall we? As we do every uh, week with the positional rankings, we do quarterbacks, we do running back rooms. The wide receiver tight ends, the, the pass catching rooms. We'll see how we rank those from one to four. The defenses and, of course, the coaches. So let's see and let's start off. Matty Ice, your quarterback list, please, for the AFC North. Yeah, so, uh, again, in your lead-in, kind of the obvious thing about as far as this category goes, I'm just going to go from bottom to top because I think at the bottom you're going to start with Big Ben as far as last place. He's hanging on by a thread. His body's hanging on by a thread. He's always hanging on by a thread. I mean, it just him and Mike Tomlin, I think, just could be done after this season. Just maybe clean, clean, you know, clean house, start, start anew as as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so he's going for the way I'm ranking this is I'm going by if I'm taking these quarterbacks and you know, regardless of the system and all of what they're in. So with that being said, Baker is my third quarterback mm. uh, down on that list because. I just think that obviously the fit is right for him. They're playing, uh, you know, the right style for him. So that's where he's been showing out, looking so good. But as far as just skills and intangibles, I'd put him third. Second, this one was hard, but I did put Joe Burrow here instead of, and then Lamar Jackson is number one because again, I still just think Lamar is it. What he gives is just too good. 
for a team. His dynamic, he's Michael Vick. He's maybe, be- you know, could be better than Michael Vick when all said and done. We're only in his third season. So um, Joe Burrow with everything that he's done in his eight, nine, seven, eight, nine games in the in the NFL. I can't remember when he got what week he got hurt. I just can't wait to see what more he does. So I put him second. Lamar's still number one. My problem with Burrow is that I feel like I haven't seen him play. You know, I feel like I've seen flashes and glimpses here and there, but I don't know what I'm getting yet, especially coming off of an ACL. Like I feel he's the number one quarterback, but it's like with Lawrence and how we were talking about him with the AFC South. It's like, I'll put him above, you know, Houston's situation, but I don't, I feel like he hasn't played at all. And, and that's where I'm at. I feel like he is in the same spot that I feel like I need to compare him with Trevor Lawrence. Like that's where I, that's where I feel like I am. So I do have Ben as number four. I agree with you. The guy's just down in beer and Advil. I mean, the whole season basically <laughs> is, is how, is how this is going to go um, with him. I, I don't know how he's going to make it through the whole year. I don't know how he makes it through the whole year, the last two years. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really stunning. Um, but again, they, they didn't really improve their offensive line too much. I, I am uh, agree with you that Ben, this is probably his last ride. I put Burrow number three again, just for the same reasons. So um, because I just haven't seen him play. Um, but skill set wise, I agree with you. I think that he has the potential and the better skill set than Baker could ever have. Um, again, I just need to see him play. Uh, I don't think it's very hard to say that Lamar is number one. I, I think Lamar is so far ahead of all three of these guys, like just because of what he brings to the table. Um, I think this year though, they need to start doing things a little bit differently. I'd like to see them play under center a little more um, and, and actually have like maybe a play action game, like how they run with Baker. I know mm-hmm. they like to run out of spread and, and, and kind of like, have that read option and, and use Lamar, but I think it would benefit them in the passing game if they if they actually ran a little bit more under center. They're an interesting team, um, and we're going to get into the running backs running backs crew in a second here. Before we do though, do you think we should include Lamar as part of the running back room? I, I had the same feeling when I was doing these rankings. I'm like, you know naturally you go, oh, Ravens have the best running back room, but then you have to take Lamar out of the equation because he's not a running back. It's like if he's in there, clearly they're number one because yeah. he's going to have a 1,000 yards rushing himself on top of whatever else the running backs are going to do. Right. Uh, but no, I, I, I didn't consider him that way. Okay, so we basically have quarterbacks the same uh, except Flip Baker and Burrow for the both of us. You like Burrow, I like Baker. Um, oh, but, wait, let's let's keep that quote cool for this year. You you don't like Joe Burrow, okay? Good. No, 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 no. You don't, no, you don't no, like no, Joe Burrow no, as no, no, you don't no, like no. Joe Burrow as much as Baker Mayfield. Uh, that's what I say because I am getting sucked into the Cleveland vortex. That is my problem. I can't wait. We, we, there might be a season long bet there. <laughs> I that the, we might have a good old fashioned Ohio war here. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, so let's, let's, let's keep that one in the pocket for later. Let's go to the running back position. Um, again, this is another one where I think you got two teams that are above the other two teams and you kind of got to decide which one you like. So, um, I guess I'll start with this one here with the running backs. Uh, I think it's pretty clear right now. It's not clear, but I do think that Pittsburgh, I would have to put in fourth, um, I like Najee. I, I think he's going to do well in the system. 
Um, I think he, like we talked about, I think he's a big combination of like Steven Jackson meets Matt Forte kind of thing. Like, you know, like he's just, he's got that big body. He's able to catch the ball out of the field, but he is a rookie in that backfield basically by himself with like Benny Snell and, yeah. and, and the slowest Hank. running back on the yeah. planet. <laughs> Benny Snell's wearing cement shoes and Kalen Bellage is like, you know, your prototypical third string back. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at with Pittsburgh and their offensive line is is again, it's kind of suspect. Cincinnati got better on the offensive line, getting Riley Reef and 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 kind of shoring it up. I wish they would have got Panay Sewell, but that's you know for another day. But they do have a professional in Joe Mixon if he can stay on the field. Um, and Samaji Pirine, I do think is a good secondary back. So I know Giovanni Bernard that loss is significant, but. Um, I think P. Ryan can still be that pass catching back. Yeah, exactly. Riley who? Uh, <laughs> look up the depth chart, Lewis. Look up the depth chart. Um, and I went I went Cleveland number one. I went Cleveland number one. I think Cleveland mm-hmm. had the more uh, efficient running game with their offensive line, uh, with Baltimore losing Mark Ingram as well. Uh, I just think Chubb and Hunt in that combination is really, really solid. And, and I love their offensive line, the way they're able to execute – now I get it. Like Greg Roman has been a master at like using the running game at his advantage. But if you take Lamar out of the equation, I do think that Baltimore does, uh, or Cleveland, I'm sorry, does have the slightly better running back room. It is one A and one B. Both of those teams, Baltimore's number one in rushing yards. Cleveland's the number three in the league in rushing yards. Um, but I do think the better offensive line right now exists in Cleveland with those two running backs, whereas you have Dobbins now who's going to be the main back. Gus Edwards, see what he has in the tank still. Is he just a third and short guy? Is he just a goal line guy? Justice Hill will be an interesting guy in how they use him, but I I do have Cleveland slightly ahead of Baltimore. Yeah, and I I have the same exact rankings that you do. I think I thought this was the most cut and dry. Again, once you take Lamar out of the running back category for the Ravens. But, and again – a name I don't even know if this is an addition, but the Ravens do add Todd Gurley this offseason. Oh, and, you know, I don't know how much longer we think that he is is a good part of the offense. I mean, he, who knows? He could literally not make it out of training camp if he's just with his injuries are still piled up like like he's had. I mean, he looked horrible in Atlanta. So um, I, I don't know. Again, that's just a name just, just to say. But, um, yeah, I agree. That, I agree that Chubb and Hunt just are – a top tier complimentary like running back system. Um, you know, Chubb, he, Chubb can catch the ball out of the backfield, um, but it's not his specialty and Hunt can run up the middle, but it's not necessarily his specialty. So I just think what they offer with each other and uh, in the way that they play off each other puts them above most running back rooms in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think that's a good point. Um, they also drafted a kid, Demetric Felton out of US, UCLA that I really, really think could be, kind of their Justice Hill, if you will. He's kind of a wide receiver um, running back combination. So um, very kind of similar in, in, in that respect. But I completely forgot that the Ravens signed – maybe I missed that. The Ravens signed Todd Gurley. Uh, yeah, that does nothing for me. I'm not really into having rubber knees, uh, guys, <laughs> in, in my backfield. So uh, I will uh, I will keep everything the same is what I said. Let's do the – pass catching rooms shall we Maddie? i am excited to see this one because there are a 
there are some up and coming like pass catchers in this division and a lot of really, really good receivers. Um, really every team has one like really solid receiver, but how do the rooms stack up with for you? So uh yeah, this one this one is definitely different from the way that the rest of the categories went. So because at number four here I have I think what it's Baltimore's weakness and what's holding them back is I have the Ravens at number four as far as pass catchers because if we're saying that they all have a decent number one, I'm assuming that we're considering Hollywood Brown, the Ravens number one. And I mean, I don't, I would hold him much lower than again, than just about every other uh, one in this division. So um, mm-hmm. they add Sammy Watkins, they draft Rashad Bateman, um, who again, we both like, I know, I think that he yeah. could definitely be a really good fit, but is a rookie. So we can't, you know, we haven't seen him play in the NFL, so we can't give him too much credit. And then Sammy Watkins, it's like, Yes, you know what they're saying. I think there was already reports that it's like there's like the most hype around Sammy Watkins. It's like, is that a good thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think he could definitely be serviceable for them. Um, at three, I have the Cincinnati Bengals because I think that they already had a couple good pieces with um, Tyler Boyd and um, and T Higgins last year, um, and now they add Jamar Chase, who again, as much as he's a rookie. There's just a little bit more evidence that I think that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to be able to throw to me. You know, he's going to be able to throw to him because we've seen it time and time again at UCLA. Uh, they they were a massive, massive connection um, back in the college days. So I still would put them above there. And they have just like a lot of a lot of good pieces in there. Um, number two, this is where the top two could really, I just feel like, go back and forth. But I do have the Browns at number two. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Uh, Rashad Higgins. I I was hoping I wouldn't mix up the Higgins first names, but I think I got them right. Um, and then they also still have a guy who has just been all the talent in the world, you know, all the hype in the world. And David Njoku, who was injured for like the majority of last year, had a couple catches towards the end of last year, but he is still a, an athletic, you know, freak that if he stays healthy and can find his way into that offense, could definitely be a valuable piece. And number one, it's what the Steelers have going for Mister Pass catchers. They've got three. Pretty damn good receivers in Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Not to mention they still have Eric Ebron, who had a pretty good year there last year. So um, Claypool is one of those guys, too, I think who's – I think Claypool is very much ready to pop. He did show quite a bit last year, but I think he – with his build and his size and speed, like he he can really pop. He's he's got like DK Metcalf kind of size to him. Yeah. I would say DK Metcalf size. I don't – obviously not the speed, but like he's – He's like got that tight end without he's almost like he's almost like a glorified tight end, but he's just got more speed than than most tight ends do. Um, I am stunned that you have Pittsburgh number one because I, I I didn't even have them close to number one. I, really? I have I have Baltimore at number four. Yeah, I agree with you there because as Baltimore just doesn't have a number one, Baltimore has a lot of depth with young receivers. If you look at them, like Sammy Watkins is the only real old guy in the room. Um, but you said Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman. They drafted Tylon Wallace out of Oklahoma State, who was really, really good. Uh, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay is kind of a weapon. Uh, James Proche was kind of a weapon. And then they still have Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. So how they handle that situation. I mean, you'd like to see them use Andrews, maybe have somebody else outside of Andrews for Lamar to go to. I do think that that's the weak point of their offense but it doesn't really matter because they're a running team. Um, I had Pittsburgh number three. Uh, I, I did I did not think that De- – Deontay Johnson led the league in drops last year. I, I thought he had a horrible year last year, really. 
Um, Juju is good, but again, underwhelming uh, to me. I think he's more concerned about TikTok dances than he is about playing football. Uh, that bothers me. He ha- he is a big talent, but I think it just does not show up in every single game. Uh, I actually like James Washington as as you know better than Deontay Johnson. I think he's a he's a solid guy. Claypool is the one guy that I would say, yeah, like he's he could be a really really good talent if he shows up this year. And I do like their tight ends and Eric Ebron and and they drafted Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State, who was the best tight end uh, in the draft outside of Pitts. So you know I, I think they have potential. I just don't see right now. I, th- I think they are a immature group of wide receivers that that don't necessarily show up every week. And it's going to be hard for Ben. I, I think it's going to be hard for them without a running game and without an offensive line. Like Najee Harris has to have a big year for them to be successful. I, I, I really believe that because they were so bad the last half of the year. I mean, they started off 11-0 and and then just completely imploded. Um, I have Cincinnati number two. I think that they really, really have something going here. You add Chase to already the Higgins, the Boyd, the Auden Tate. Um, Drew Sample is, is you know, he's got to be a better, obviously, at the tight end. But I do like those top three receivers a lot, a lot, a lot. And if they can develop some some chemistry with Burrow, I really like what they're going to do. I really do. If, if they were good with freaking Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley, I, I think with Burrow, they're, the sky is the limit. Cleveland has two number ones. I mean, like, oh, we are forgetting that how good Odell Beckham Jr. is. Like, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the scariest dudes in the NFL with the ball in his hand. Like, that man is a menace. He is a menace to have to cover. Jarvis is, is always making ridiculous catches. And I know he's underwhelming maybe, you know, by, you know, fantasy terms or being a number one receiver. But, man, he is really, really good. Both of those guys are like top notch, like arguably top 10, both of them, uh, receivers, uh, maybe not Jarvis, but certainly Odell. Um, and, and then you add Rashard Higgins, you got Donovan Peoples Jones is only going to get better. He's there. Uh, add Austin Hooper, by the way, to the mix of tight ends with David and Joku, like they are really loaded weapon wise. I mean, that that's why I like Cleveland so much. They have weapons all over the field. Their offensive line is good. I mean, they are they are really talented. I, with just Odell and Jarvis alone, like right there, that does it for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely, you know, I only had number two. I, I just think that, again, I, I'm trying to remove other factors from, so I, you know, I don't care that Big Ben's throwing to the guys in Pittsburgh. I'm, t- I'm thinking about what they, you know, as far as what they present, as far as on-field threats and everything yeah. like that. You know, I, I definitely, definitely an immature group. I mean, it's an immature team. Uh, you know, as we say about in Pittsburgh, this is that the inmates run the prison there. It's just <laughs> Mike Tomlin has no control of the locker room. So um, I don't hate that list. I don't hate that list. I just, I don't know. Bang, the Bengals, the Bengals no, at two might be just a little, again, I, I, there's sometimes where we're giving the rookie credit and sometimes we're not giving the rookies credit from playing games or not seeing them play. So there's a little bit of a, a line we're balancing there. We, we are. We're, we're walking the tightrope a little because if you want to call me out for Burrow and not having him above Baker, fine. Like I'll be okay with that. If I'll have, but I'll have Cincinnati like right there. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not a huge fan of Deontay Johnson. Like I'm just not a fan of that, of that pass catching room. I, yeah. I just, that's just me. So take the quarterbacks out of it. I uh, that's that's where I'm at. On to the other side of the ball now. Yes, on to the other side of the ball we go. And defensively, this is hard. Like this one was hard. Super I, hard. There's a lot of talent on. I mean, I think outside of Cincinnati, and but Cincinnati is not like they're 
you know, they've added pieces, but outside of Cincinnati, like there aren't a ton of all pros in Cincinnati. There's a lot of all pros on the other three teams on their defensive side. So, I mean, to me, obviously I have Cincinnati number four um, mm. on this list, even though they add some really good pieces. Like I really like they're adding um, Trey Hendrickson who had a big year last year. Is he a one and done type player? I don't know. Um, I think they, they have some talent on the defensive line. They add Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, Sam Hubbard's already there, so I like that. But where are they with the rest of their defense? I don't love their linebacking crew. I don't love, you know, their uh, their corners. Like, they, they Chidobe Awuzie and Trey Waynes. And, you know, they've added a lot of veterans that kind of have floated their way. There's a lot to be desired there, I think, for Cincinnati. Um, crazy enough, I had Pittsburgh number three. Uh, I, I I wasn't sure how I was going to kind of view them and their lens. Now, they do get Melvin Ingram today, so I think that adds a really, really good player that's got a lot left in the tank uh, to go along with T.J. Watt. Their, their defensive line is really solid, like really, really solid with Tuitt and Hayward and all those guys. Um, I do question outside of Minka Fitzpatrick, they're super old. Like they're they're super old. They either have super old guys or they're super inexperienced guys in that secondary. Like Joe Hayden is starting. Like what does Joe Hayden have left here? Uh, they drafted Justin Lane a couple of years ago out of Michigan State. He hasn't really stepped up. Uh, Terrell Edmonds has been good at times, but again, like I'm not really seeing here exactly. You know, I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. That's what I'll say. I I'm not sure that they have that ability, but Mike Tomlin some, somehow always seems to get more out of their defense than, than typical. Um, but from an on-paper standpoint, they're number three on my list. Very, very close with Cleveland at number two. I think that Cleveland, um, I, I obviously you've got to love, you know, Miles Garrett's probably the best player um, defensively in this division. But I really like their secondary a lot. I think they're going to be able to cover a lot of people um, them drafting Greg Newsom. They bring Troy Hill and John Johnson over from the Rams. They have Denzel Ward there already. Grant Delpit's going to come back from injury. Your your boy JOK, they draft him. Like, get mm-hmm. him for, I mean, that's a great, like, that was a great value pick. Um, I really like them a lot. Whatever they get out of Clowney is, you know, a plus. I don't expect much from him, but, you know, if he can play at some level, I think they're really, really, you know, tight group. I just think Baltimore is the best coach and, and, and their system and their defensive system. And they, they have to cycle through some people because they are missing Judon now. And, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to like kind of re up a little bit, but they still have so many good players. I mean, like if Brandon Williams stays healthy with Calais Campbell, that's great. Uh, Patrick queen is a, a future star. I feel like they still have Marcus Peters. They still have Marlon Humphrey. They still have like a lot of dudes that can ball out. Are they as deep as they were last year? Maybe not. But I still think overall, Baltimore's unit, the 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 sum of all the individuals, uh, you know, has a has a um has kind of like overshot overpowers what Cleveland's talent might have. I, I really believe that. So i I would go Baltimore one, Cleveland two, Pittsburgh three, Cincinnati four. Okay. Yeah, I, I have them. Just about the same. So I, I, I have Cincinnati at four because, again, I just think, like you said, 
Well, they added for the pieces. We both have high expectations to hope that they can do a little bit better, but it's so early yet. We can't really say anything. Um, I do have the Browns at three a little bit for the same reason where, again, I, I, I really like the pieces they add. They, they clearly address that defense was their problem last year, but I'm still going to give Pittsburgh a little bit of credit at number two with, with what they were able to do last year. Again, their secondary is horrible, but their pass rush is top of the league. I mean, especially now adding Ingram is just another depth piece to, to get there. I mean, they, they you know clearly could still have the number one pass rush in the league. Um, and then I do, I have the Ravens number one, because I think they've got a little bit of both. They've got one of the better secondaries, like you said, with, with Humphreys and Peters, you can't ignore those two guys, just having two guys you can leave on an Island outside and blitz up the middle and just get pressure. They have still good guys up front, even though they lost um, a, a few guys to free agency. Um, they still had, they had so much depth of that position that they were able to let those guys go. And they still got guys like McPhee and Derek Wolf there. Yeah. Um, you said Campbell. So um, I, I think the Ravens are are still top defense in that division, which is, which is a, a, a you know a, a ribbon to be had as far as being the best of it, uh, best defense in the AFC North. Because again, I think we like most of the defenses in this division. I think have some high expectations for them. It's the complete opposite of the AFC South. We're talking about it. Like yeah, yeah. I think the defenses and the running games are what win this division. Uh, and and obviously, I think. Baltimore and Cleveland right now have the advantages in both of those categories. Pittsburgh can win this division. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Like they, they absolutely can if they can find a semblance of a running game. And if they can't do that, they're not winning this division. Um, even though they were able to do it last year, like Ben is not going to be able to do this on his back. And but defensively, they could do it. Like defensively, if they can hold teams to you know twenty points. I mean, the sky is the limit for them. It, it, they really are. I mean, it's it's going to be, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough road, but they could definitely win this division. Yeah, I, I don't know. It it's just such a tight race. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's, you know, it's leaking for the futures. I, I I think when we talk about this, I have I have a future on the Ravens to win this division. I think we talked about this mm-hmm. way back when that you know when Cleveland jumped from being the underdog into being the favorite and where Baltimore started the season at the favorite. I thought that was an over adjustment again on the hype train. And it's gone back and forth between those two teams being the favorite and not Pittsburgh. So, but again, they could be more of an outside shot. Well, let's talk about something that might be in your favor then with that future. And that's coaching because coaching really matters in this division more than anything. I think, you know, the systems, yes, but like how, how the culture is built and you have a lot of really good, like you're you're building a culture in Cleveland. Pittsburgh always has their culture. Baltimore always has their culture. How Cincinnati wants to build theirs, like they're still young and up and coming. Um, and I think you'll agree that probably Zach Taylor is last on this list, obviously, for, mm. for coaching. Um, but what do you have for the other three? Yeah, this one I think was actually, again, another cut and dry category where if we're starting with Zach Taylor at four, uh, I'll put Mike Tomlin at three happily. Again, just don't think that he really does much as a head coach besides get his guys hyped up to go out and play. Um, number two, we'll give reigning coach of the year news to me, um, Kevin Stefanski, um, that spot. Because, again, just doing it one year is not going to get you there versus the guy, Jim Harbaugh, who has been there year in, year out, running this team, getting them to the playoffs. So, Or, sorry, John Harbaugh. Yeah. John Harbaugh. I realized <laughs> that as Jim Harbaugh. I, not Jim. They would have been losing to Ohio State year after year after year <laughs> if Jim Harbaugh were there. But it is, thank God, it's John Harbaugh. 
the special teams God. expert. Oh, I don't want to think about Mr. Khaki Pants at all for the <laughs> at all this season. God, good God. Uh, Sam West, yep, uh, I think he nailed it. Taylor Tomlin, um, like you said, Tomlin's more of a player's coach and, and kind of delegates. Stefanski, I love the system, and I think they're going to be really, really good, but you can't – Harbaugh in general, just that coaching staff, total. I mean, obviously he's a Super Bowl-winning head coach, but it's more than that. It's it's that every year they get more out of their players than any other team, I feel like. It's Baltimore is just so competitive. They're always tough. They're always physical. They play hard, um, and that's a product of their coach. And then you got Greg Roman, who's an offensive – genius with the way they've implemented this new offense over the last couple of years. And you have probably the best defensive coordinator in the game in, in Wink Martindale. I mean, that guy is a genius. So from a complete coaching perspective, easily Baltimore, but even just Harbaugh, I think that's what maybe does it over the top for you and getting the value for Baltimore is that Harbaugh, you know, Harbaugh's teams are going to be coached to play tough, play physical and play smart. They are not a stupid team. They're organizationally run well. I really like I, – I, I'm starting to – now you're starting to get me second-guessing about Cleveland here a little bit, I, I must say. <laughs> that's all. That's what I'm here to do is just put doubt into the back of your brain. As usual. As usual. He's, you know, I, I, I can always claim – I can always claim that I still have the title of, of, of top better from last year. But, listen, last year is last year, you know. Like, we move on. No days off. That's what we go. So, um we got to figure out it this year. I like that. There, there was uh, obviously a little bit of disagreement, but I think this division will be super, super interesting. Um, do you think it ranks up there as one of the top divisions in football? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I mean, just, just talking about the fact that we think that three teams could win this division and, and on this podcast, we maybe absurdly high on the Bengals as far as like maybe what they could do. Like, and I don't know how I, I don't, I, I, I like the Bengals. I don't really know what I have them sitting at as a win total. I guess I should look more at that, but um, yeah, I think definitely one of the better divisions. Yeah. We are, we are standing the Bengals this year. We're standing Joe Burrow hard, but um, no, I, I, I do think it is, it is not. And as I was thinking about it today, it is not, I think the toughest division in football, but it certainly has it's it's going to be a black and blue division as it always is. Um that's it. That's basically it. That's a good job guys. Uh you know with the rankings for this week we'll be back next week with the NFC North which will be very difficult to gauge depending on one specific quarterback but it should be a lot of fun to go through. Maddie any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Yeah, I want to know about your futures that you've laid down. Oh right? my almost, gosh! I you almost, almost got out of here without giving me your futures. Hold on, oh. about it. hold on, pull the horses. So let's 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 not let the cat out of the bag here. Let's 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 let it loose here. Um, okay, so my futures. Um, I did lay one MVP. Uh, actually, I'm probably going to lay two. I'm probably lay one right now. Um, is that Mahomes at, fi- uh, at plus five hundred? I just. Okay. Laid that down quickly because I want to have the ability to have four other guys and break even. Um, one, I've only bet one other, and to me, that was Tom Brady at 16 and a half to one. Um, the, uh, that's what I like. I think that they have a possibility of not losing a single game, not really, but like it, it, it makes sense in my mind. Um, yeah, so actually, Mahomes is four to one right now as, as far as uh, my book goes. 
is concerned, or our book goes. So uh, I've locked that in Mahomes at, at four to one, and then Brady at 16 and a half to one um, for those. Uh, the other ones, I did do some over-unders. So here are my over-unders for you, okay? I have Detroit under five at minus 110. I have locked that in. I do think that they are one of the worst teams. Um, as much as I like their offensive line and some of their defensive stuff, they don't have any weapons. Um, I have taken the over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it is over 11 and a half. I do Ooh. not see them losing five games. I just don't, or, or I'm sorry. I don't see them losing six more games. than five games. They would have to lose six games. Now that is minus 140. Um, and I'm willing to pay the price for it. I, I just cannot see that team losing six games. That would be insane to me. Um, Patriots over nine and a half. Throw that out there. Duh, it's classic. I know I'm going to bet it every year, so it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't even want to say that I bet it, but I, I'm going to bet it. But my real ones, uh, which is why I was surprised by you saying this, I have the, the Jets are, again, six wins. The Jets are – I'm taking the under. Under. You better smash that over. You so better smash that over. Get out of here. Like that you better hit that over, son. Easy. You better hit that over. Easiest bet I ever made last no, year. Oh, you're probably right. You probably right. Jets. Easiest bet I made last year was Jets under six. And it was plus 120. This year, it's minus 110. And well, they have a rookie that, quarterback and a rookie head coach. Like, inst instead of betting the Jets over, what you do is you put down the same money on Robert Salah at plus 2,000. Because if they win – seven or eight games that he will win coach of the year. Do you see where my logic's coming in? <laughs> now I get it. Now I see like it's all making sense. In far, my far better value. Equations of galore. Yeah. It's a two unit, two unit uh, jets under, and maybe I might even throw a couple more units on it. I just wow. think that's really easy. Um, so yeah, those are the ones I put down and there's plenty more where that came from. So, so I, I have a couple in myself. So sure. Um, yeah. For, for MVP, I have one, and it's the same guy I've been preaching about all year, and I think that's Lamar Jackson at 16-1. to 1. I just think that he's ready to go off this year. He's going to have a full training camp. He had COVID last year. They had a horrible training camp, and he was in and out. So I think that he is ready to just absolutely go this year. Um, and then I have – well, actually, sorry. All the other ones that I do have in are the ones that we talked about as far as AFC futures and uh, Super Bowl futures. But um, as far as your over-unders, I really do like – the Detroit under again. I think that's a team that is that is actively tanking. They are actively trying to lose. So bet they're under because that's going along with exactly what they're trying to do as well. Um, and I think the same could be said about the Texans as well, which I think the Texans is down to as far as four and a half. Um, it's not even it's not posted again on on the book that we're looking at, but uh, I've seen other places again. That's all probably Deshaun Watson pending, but right. um, if that number comes out even at four and a half five, I would still take I would take that under as well. Um, and the bucks, uh, yeah, it's a steep price to pay, um, on that for sure. Don't care. No, I know. Don't I know. Care. Like it's, it's like minus minus one forty. a lot. They're not losing six games. That's just impossible. I just cannot see that. Yeah. One, one that I would also probably go for an under on would be, it's another steep price. I actually wasn't expecting to see it. The steep would be the Rams at 10 and a half. I just feel like that's a mm. really, Big number for a quarterback. As much as I like Stafford, I think he's going to be great. It's a hard division. He's going to have to learn the system and stuff like that. So I think 10 and a half is a really, really high number um, for for the Rams. So I would take that under. That could be a potential NFC East, like last year, division, where we're all shocked at like how bad the teams are. 
because they're so hyped up. And, and I think there's a lot of question marks and I think they all just beat up on each other. Like that could be a, that's going to be a tough division. That's gonna yeah. be a tough division. Someone's coming out of there with a bloody nose. <laughs> uh, well, it's not going to, I mean, if, if it's the Cardinals, they're not going to care, but all the rest of the teams are going to be okay with it, with their colors. So um, let us finish up and that's it. And that's all. Uh, Lewis, any final thoughts before we got game six? Who are we leaning for with Milwaukee and Phoenix, my friend? You know, is, I, is it over? No, it might be over. You know, I wanted to lean Phoenix so hard. So I wanted to lean Phoenix so hard, but that play at the end of game five where Chris Paul comes in and pushes Giannis on the alley-oop. Yeah. He's midair. Listen, if that happened to Chris Paul, he'd be calling the cops. It would not be funny. <laughs> All right? That's not a safe play. You don't do that in the finals. You don't push somebody while they're in midair. They don't know how they're going to land. Unfortunately, let's go Bucks. That's good. <laughs> I got to switch. I, I have to. Just wow. to, I have to. I have to because that that is not what you do. That is unsportsmanlike conduct, football terms, whatever you got to call it. That we don't do that. While somebody's in the air catching the ball, we do not push them. That's how you break a leg. That's what happened to Gordon Hayward. That's we don't do that. Wow, so, that um, that, right. that really affected you. It, listen, I coached basketball for a long time, and we don't do that. We don't do that. When someone's off the ground, they can't control their body at this point. We don't do that. There were a lot of smart fouls by Chris Paul. That was not necessarily one of them. That was the worst foul I've ever seen by Chris Paul. Yeah. It's a little bit of a respect loss now. It is. It is. And also it's a dumb play because you're, you'd only be down by what? Two at that point? They would be down by three. three. You'd be down by three. At that point, you put him at the free throw line. Even if he's not a great free throw shooter, it's one disrespectful. And two, it's a terrible play by supposedly the point god. So eh, I leave it at that. CP3 getting burned up by Lewis today. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Hey, Drew Holiday make a pretty pretty freaking good play, though, right there as well. I think that's a bigger play. That's a championship play right there. Championship play. It's going to be Fear the Deer down in Milwaukee. We're next week, man. Hey, next week we got the NFC North. It's going to be a lot of fun. Training camps are opening. Preseason is less than a month away. We almost have football. We are rocking and rolling. It's going to be very sad when the NBA leaves because I'm going to be almost bored out of my mind watching. <laughs> but the, what's that sport with the ball and the stitches and the mitts and the, you know, something with the bat? You know? Yeah, that, right? that one, right? It's that one. Uh, thank you, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver. You are the best. Uh, no better host and no one I'd rather have it with. Um, we will see you next week, sir. Uh, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone on the producer mic is always number one in our hearts. Uh, and I am Dan Zimpano. I just am who I am. I don't claim to be number one or anything. I'm just the guy that talks to you. Uh, you can hear us every week on Spotify, on Google Pod, on Apple Pod, on Sports Country Radio, on sportscountry.net, Saturdays at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., and then again at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. We leave you. Adieu. We bid you adieu, rather. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Card.